Hello, welcome to another episode of Hope with Danny, a podcast dedicated to inspire listeners everywhere with weekly stories and personal testimonies from our wide range of guests. I'm your host, Danny Daniel, and thank you for listening. Today we are fortunate to have a good friend of mine, Pat Allen, and Pat is known around the community pretty widely. Uh, he's done a lot of things uh, for a lot of people, and uh, to me, he's influenced me in a very positive way. Uh, he influenced me in a great way when uh, he was teaching Sunday school at First Methodist with his wife, Gail. They're a good tag team. Uh, Pat, glad to have you with us this morning. It's my, my privilege to be with you. Thank you. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your uh, family life. You've got Gail, of course, and she's uh, the bride of, any, of, uh, of your choice, and you made a good decision. It's just, you like me, you married up a little bit there. Yeah, I, I, made, I made that good decision. 54 years ago. Only 54. Uh, yeah. In a small college in southwest Georgia. And uh, we fell in love and have been, been at it since. Um, got two children. Uh, our daughter, Beth, and her family. Husband, Lindsay, and her family live in Rome, Georgia. And our son, Clay, and his wife, Tracy, and their family uh, live uh, in Cumming, Georgia. Both are um, doing great. Got a couple of grandchildren too. Uh, only six, so uh, just six. who's counting? Oh boy, that's fantastic! I tell you what, those grands are—they're great. Uh, like they always say, you can bring them, but you can send them back if you need to. But usually, <laughs> you don't you don't want to? That's right. Yeah, we we enjoy them. They're not in town with us, but uh, we really enjoy them when we see them. Yeah. Well, Pat, I tell you what, to me, you've been a hopeful person uh, a long, long, ever since I've known you. And um, I think that uh, maybe some people just gifted with that, uh, that they can inspire other folks. Uh, what do you think about that for yourself? Well, Danny, I don't, I, I, I guess I see myself as a hopeful person. Um, but um, it's been that way most of my life, I think. And it's, not because I was born that way, or, but it's been more because of the um, influence uh, other people have had uh, throughout my life since childhood. For example, I was born in a, uh, when I born, I was raised in a small middle Georgia town uh, in the Andy Griffith days, if you remember that old show, Mayberry. Yeah. Uh, the name of the town was Montezuma, not Mayberry, but in the 50s. Uh, it was very much like that. We we identified with the characters on the Andy Griffith show and knew exactly who in Montezuma best resembled the people in Mayberry. And it's pretty amazing uh, resemblance. Um, but, you know, it was a time in the 50s, though, when you could be hopeful. You, um, the war had been over for a while, World War II, and the popular movies of the time seemed to be the war movies where the U.S. was uh, celebrated its... Uh, costly but but glorious victories um it was a post-war economic boom uh so you know business was good in small towns it just overall uh, good times uh in a, in a season of hope but then i think with that um in that environment i also had parents who um who encouraged me i i was told more than once that, you know, you can be, you can become anything you want to be. If you want to be president of the United States, you can be that person. You know, they never ever pressed me to be successful or to succeed or to 
uh, be any anything other than you know the best I could be, whatever I cho chose to do. But it was that you know when you are told that more than once, you uh, it makes you hopeful. Yeah, when you uh, not when yeah, you... not that you're going to be the president, but that you know I, I can be make something out of my life. I'm not resigned to you know a life of uh, just mediocrity. Yeah, early childhood encouragement means a great deal to folks. And I mean, I guess there's not a lot of that that goes uh, with the times now, not as much as we'd like to have. But uh, uh, you and I grew up in about the same time, and uh, I uh, was encouraged uh, and inspired. And, you know, there were some difficult times along the way, but it seems like the inspiration always overrid, uh, overrided the uh, the fact that uh, things didn't go the right way sometimes and uh that's paid off well for you well, well thank you it's uh i agree did you have si um, siblings that you had to uh, overcome <laughs> <laughs> i had one younger sister and uh we got along fine but uh, we were in our own little worlds i think so we weren't competitors or uh, we were just uh we were just part of the family yeah, I, I guess you probably were, grew up in a Christian home. In other words, y'all went to church a great yeah. deal. And, you know, that was, uh, again, a, a product, partially a product of the 50s. I, I tell people I started going to the Methodist church when I was minus nine months old. Oh. True, <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, in, that, in the community I was in and also with the commitment of my parents, um, you know, we were in church. Uh, that was, and you know, you talk about hope. I mean, that's to me, that's you know, one of the main facets of the Christian faith is a, a, you know, hope. You know, hope for uh, while you're here on this earth, and of course, hope in the in the life hereafter. Um, it's just a, it's a defining principle of, of the Christian faith to me is the hope that, that's within us. Well, no, no question about that, and I. I'm sure you had some bumps along the way, but it always came back that, uh, look, things are going to get better, and uh, somebody's helping you to make those things better. It's not just yeah. your happenstance or your circumstances. It's, uh, it's because you were put here to me, as you say, that you could influence other people by the way that you were influenced, and that meant a lot to the people that, that uh, have learned about you. You've been a community person ever since you moved to Athens. What, did you, you came in to the University of Georgia, is that correct? No, I, um, I came to Athens in 1985 as a, a banker with the old CNS bank system and um, retired there and went over to the university uh, after I retired from the bank in 2003. Yeah, well, at the, at the bank, uh, of course you can be a positive influence as long as you're making the right kind of loans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or conversely. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember I made an $800 loan. I was a banker too, uh, in Augusta and I made an $800 loan. And the, one of the big finance vice presidents said, Danny, he wrote me a note about it. He said, this is a fantastic loan. And you really thought this thing out and I know it's going to work out well. And about uh, five or six months later, it went sour. <laughs> and then he wrote me up and said, why in the world did you make that loan? Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that happens. Let me tell you, you know, we were talking about faith and we were talking about banking. 
let me give you another example of of hope uh, that uh, came my way. We were in uh, Albany, Georgia, southwest Georgia. And Gail and I were helping to start a new little church, a Methodist church. And pastor comes, so we were a small congregation. Our pastor comes, and in his first year, he said, I'm going to um, go off on my own personal retreat, and I'm going to pray for every church member. Wasn't too hard back then, limited congregation. So he did that, and he came back, and he uh, gave me a letter, a little handwritten thing he wrote. And he said, um, I believe the Lord has told me that you will be an executive in the CNS bank system. Um, back then, the CNS bank was the largest statewide bank in Georgia. Uh, I was, at the time, managing a branch of the bank, and uh, I'd say across the tracks, it was across the river on the poor side of town. Uh, my academic credentials were a Bachelor of Arts degree in history. Oh, that's great for to start a, a banking career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that degree was from a small uh, Southwest Georgia college. Um, I had no social connections. Uh, my family, we were middle class. Uh, I had uh, no business connections. I didn't know any important people. Really didn't have any accomplishments um, of any significance to talk about. And so when he gave me this letter, you know, I said, didn't, you know, I didn't say this to him, of course, but to myself, I was thinking, you know, isn't that nice? You know, that's, that's some really, really good preacher talk. Um, but subconsciously, I think it planted that seed of hope that, that you talk about on your shows that um, kept me focused, not driven, uh, but kept me thinking at least subconsciously that, you know, I could really make it with this company one day. And that happened um, uh, through some transfers and some further education. I was got to have a very successful and enjoyable career at the bank, far beyond what I'd ever dreamed. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's saying a whole lot. My dad uh, was uh, one of the uh, people who of the many thousands, I guess, who bank with CNS Bank. Uh, Y'all had kind of a interesting relationship with the First National across the street there. Uh, uh, we did. Y'all were competitors from the word go, but yet I'm sure you had some good relationships with them, and uh, you had some friends over there. We did. We did, yes. Um, and so the good, the good days when you compete toe-to-toe -to -toe and uh, you get vicious, but then at the end of the day, you know, you respected the people, you're, you, you respected your competitor. What about somebody that you, not the individual name, but somebody that you can remember that you made a loan to, and uh, boy, it was a pretty wild uh, venture, and you just wasn't sure, but you knew they needed some help, and the only way they could get the right help was to get some money to build the business. Uh, it, do you, can you remember somebody that uh, started out fresh, with a business venture and that was successful and part of the success was due to the fact that you made them alone. Yeah. Uh, again, not talking about names, but, uh, I can. And, um, it's those times when you, you take that risk that you, you analyze it and believe it's a qualified risk, but, uh, you see someone take an idea, 
uh, unique idea that wasn't, hasn't been done a lot and develop it through hard work and success and the bank's money, some of their own, of course, and a lot of sweat equity and grow it into uh, what became and still is, I believe, the largest business that does what it does in the country, um, based here in Athens. Uh, wildly successful and uh, yeah, it's starting from an idea. <laughs> an idea and a risk, a risk on the part of the persons that uh, had the idea of making it, and of course, the, the bank itself, making the loan, yeah. Well, that had to be really uh, inspirational to you to see something that you helped uh, formulate, uh, but without the money from the bank, it probably just wouldn't have gone at all. They, they couldn't do it on his own. That's why it came probably. to you. Uh, yeah. And you had to make a challenge decision to know that you were doing something that might really work. You had to be an entrepreneur of sorts yourself. Yeah. Every loan I ever made, every loan I made was a good loan the day I made it. That's so right. So I just turned out bad later. <laughs> so. yeah. Fortunately, not that many of them. Or you, you probably wouldn't have got as high in the ranks with the CNS Bank. Well, yeah. Uh, wasn't Smiley, was Smiley Wolf there when you uh, were there? No, but I uh, when I, I too was in Augusta, by the way, with with the CNS Bank. Maybe at the time you were there, um, but uh, Smiley, I when I agreed to transfer to Athens, everybody would say, "Oh, you got to meet Smiley Wolf," and you know they would tell me everything that he had done. So many people he put in business, and how active he was at First Methodist Church, how he had done all these other things, and um, I was just couldn't wait to meet him. I did meet him. He was long retired by the time I got here. Um, and uh, Daniel, uh, maybe it's off the subject, but I went to his funeral. He died, and I was thinking that as much as I'd heard about Smiley Wolf, it would be, you know, a state funeral. <laughs> um, there were a handful of people at one of the funeral homes here in town, a uh, very small crowd. And I said, you know, that sort of tells me that we have our seasons in life. And uh, we're uh, so visible, so uh, recognizable in the community. But at times, when you, when it's your time to go, that it may be where you're uh, just another guy, you know. Well, that's true, but that certainly wasn't true with Dwayne uh, Chambers. You and I saw each other there, and I, yeah. I said, God, that's a guy I got to have on this uh, podcast because I know that he can fire some people up with his background and his development in life. Uh, boy, Dwayne Chambers certainly did that for a lot of people, didn't he? In a very quiet way, um, he did, including me. I mean, he was always a friend, and uh, I'd go to his bookstore and or his dry cleaners, and, you know, we would talk. And I'd, I'd be there for a reason, a purpose, but we'd end up just talking. And in his own way, he mentored people without mentoring them by example and by just a word here and there of encouragement and uh, maybe something to give you to think about, not rebu rebuke, but uh, just uh, some truth that you might need to hear. What was that old saying he said about something about having uh, a Christian bookstore next to a dry cleaner? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he the building he owned, and his family still owns it, uh, was two parts. The 
a carpenter shop, a Christian bookstore on the left as you face it. On the right was Sunshine Cleaners. And he said, uh, he's, uh, I forget how he said it, but it's like he's got a businesses where uh, uh, cleanliness is literally next to godliness. So. An old saying, but had specific application with him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he was a godly man, and no question about that. Everything he did seemed to project his life uh, as being under the rule of God because he uh, was able to project the rule of God. And uh, yeah, God. Let, really, let me tell you about. Go ahead. Tell you about an experience I had with him. Um, in uh, the late 80s, early 90s, I uh, was privileged to chair the uh, group, the commission that um, wrote the charter and that consolidated the governments of Athens and Clark County. Um, and uh, it was a long, well, it wasn't a long process. We did it in less than a year, but it was very involved and intensive. Dwayne Chambers was the mayor in those days. Um, and it was a, so you have to understand the environment here. I mean, it was, you know, a divided camp, of course, in particular with the elected officials. Um, most of them did not want to see it happen. It was partly turf, turf war and some other things. But this citizens group that I chaired um, uh, had, had put together this thing. We were ready to go. We built a tremendous momentum. We'd engaged literally hundreds of people in the community to talk about the, a new government, talk about the charter, what do they want to see in it, all of this. What, what, what would they like to see their government look like? What should it do for them? Uh, so this tremendous momentum is built, and the one step was to, toward the end, to take that charter and send it to the U.S. Justice Department for their approval. Uh, we chose to do it before we voted on the charter. Uh, so we sent it up there and get a call back a few days later saying, uh, this charter was submitted by the athens Clark County Unification Commission. Who is that? And we explained <laughs> to them who we were. And yeah. they said, well, we cannot review a document for just a citizens group. It has to come to us from a government. Oh, which? The so, city or the county? I mean, you know, that's the yeah. whole purpose of what you were doing. Mm -hmm. So we said, okay. Uh, so I got in the car and went out to the office of the chairman of the county commission back then and um, talked with him about it. And I knew he was opposed to it. And he um, was courteous, but gave me the, you know, the talk about, well, we'll take it under advisement. And I've talked to some of the other commissioners and we'll see. And I knew it wasn't going anywhere. So I got back in my car and picked up my bag phone back then and called the mayor's office and asked if Mayor Chambers was in. And yes, he was. And would he see me? Yes, he will. So he I never turned into, anybody away from a time to see him. I'm sure that's true. So I walk in his office and I explained it to him. I said, Dwayne, he's where we are. And I said, I've already been to the commission chairman's office. And he's not going to do anything. He's he's going to slow walk it. And um, would you consider submitting this on behalf of the group? And he said to me, he thought a minute, he looked at me and he said to me, Pat, you know, there are a lot of things. I've read that charter, and there's some things in there that I don't agree with and I don't like. 
But I think that this needs to be the community's decision, not mine. So, you know, draft me a letter and I will sign it and we'll send it up. And my point, I guess, in all of that is with Dwayne Chambers doing that, he was, uh, in essence, uh, signing his resignation letter. Because we we knew it would pass. He knew it would pass, I think. Uh, and he knew he didn't want to run for the new position as head of the new consolidated government. So he was, in my mind, he never he would never say this, but in essence, uh, by doing what he felt was the right thing, he was laying down his career as mayor. Um, I've never forgotten that. Uh, you know, we talk about integrity in everything, but particularly in the political realm these days. You know, to me, that's a fine example of a man walking with integrity, even when it cost him something. Yeah, most uh, most political people want to stay political, and they don't want to give up anything that uh, would affect them personally. And certainly, he was a selfless mayor, and that's why I guess he was called Mr. Mayor right that's on. That's right. That's, that's what he was known for, but he certainly did a lot more things than that in his life. Uh, I, I was really taken back by saying that this man, who was mayor of Athens, could be found handing out Bibles. Uh, was that at the football games, or when when was that? I forget. I'm thinking on campus, like uh, just between classes, with with for the Gideon organization. Yeah, that's uh, that's fan fantastic. Well, you didn't hand out fat Bibles, I don't think you did. You, but you did do a lot of influencing of other other people. And uh, it's interesting that you would say that you were able to influence other people by the fact that you were influenced. What's a, what's an example of two of of you don't have to use their names necessarily, but of people that you thought had a bigger influence on your life than otherwise? Well, you know, some of um, some of my managers. Uh, at at the bank. Um, again, I, I get a call. And then people like Dwayne that we've been talking about and quietly just with the example. I think of another businessman here in town that uh, I've worked with. He did not bank with us. Uh, I did our, on the board of, of one of our competitors. Uh, but he and I worked together on some projects and I watched him and listened to him. You know, not coach me, not teach me just the way he operated and um, and the way <laughs> he was a powerful man uh, very deliberate in his speech but he and I were working on something one year and he came to me and he said I'd ask him to do something and he had said initially you know I've already made up my mind about this you know that I said well go through the process and if that's still your decision fine and he came back to me and said um, Pat I was wrong and it sort of took me aback. You know, here's this powerful man that uh, people in town recognized as a uh, a real mover and shaker of somebody could push things through to say, I mean, I was wrong. And uh, I learned that, you know, that can be a powerful statement sometimes to admit uh, to someone which you don't necessarily have to, that um, you were wrong. Yeah, so like people like that. Like that guy that said he was wrong, but he didn't. Th he thought he was wrong <laughs> to think he was wrong. Uh, well, I, I I guess he he certainly provided some influence for you. I 
I am uh, uh, pleased that you're the type of person that uh, will come forward and say that, you know, I started uh, with the right encouragement from the very beginning. And I know that you hold your, your dad up probably pretty high and your mom as well. Mm-hmm. And, and Gail had the same background, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, she was raised in the same era and the same Christian values, Christian family. Um, she was a Baptist. I was a Methodist. So we had to get through that. <laughs> yeah, how in the world you put those two together? <laughs> it, it worked. <laughs> uh, uh, but they, they, the, well, I, I, tell you talk about baptists and and the prince avenue baptist church has really gone uh bananas you might say in taking care of uh building a a a football program a physical program as well as a spiritual program uh, and that's where it was almost full i thought at uh, Dwayne chambers uh services and uh praise praise the lord it can be done a lot of different ways oh yeah yeah they have, since I've been in Athens, they've had a tremendous influence on this community. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, what about some of the uh, things that you've been involved in that you thought brought hope to other people? Uh, you said something about your partners for a pro- prosperous Athens. What is what yeah. was that? Um, gosh, uh, I can't remember how many years ago. We, a group of us, uh, were sitting around talking one day and said, you know, one of the issues we have in this community, we recognize that geographically we're a small town. I mean, a small geographic footprint, a lot of people in a small footprint. And, um, but if you look at uh, our poverty numbers, they are appalling. Um, is there something that we could do. So we put together a group. Uh, we had four conveners. Uh, I represented the University of Georgia. Uh, we had the uh, Clark County School District Superintendent, the mayor, um, and uh, maybe one of the Chamber of Commerce. And um, we put together a group to study and to make recommendations to try to curb or uh, this trend we have of growing generational persistent poverty you talk about a huge issue in this assignment um never thought that we would cure the thing but could we influence could we improve it and um then it is that thing grew and yes if you were, want to get involved in social issues a town like that this is where you want to be because at one meeting, sort of the culmination where the final presentation was made, there were 1,200 people that attended that meeting at the Classic Center. Good heavens. Now, that was, we didn't have 1,200 at every meeting we had. We had lots of different committees and all, but probably five or 600. So that was the level of interest that was there. And out of that, we had, you know, some... Well, in fact, had 155 recommendations. Uh, uh, some of those, many of those, have been adopted things um, uh, that you know you wouldn't recognize, but also some things that are important, like you know, stream uh, improving the bus service. Well, why would you want to do that? Because you've got people that really can't afford to go to a job because they can't get there. They don't have a car, and if they 
ride the existing buses and they have to make three different transfers and um, just those kinds of little issues, you know, that's going to cost somebody some money, of course, but uh, that could help someone, you know, get a good job and keep it. Um, things like the Career Academy, which, um, you know, like everybody is going to go to college, why don't we have a school, a public school that can help or that can train people and, you know, some business skills and prepare them for a, a, a non-college degree career, you know, things like that. Um, and some, obviously some social issues as well. Um, what I learned in that, I learned an important point of that. We're talking about hope. Uh, I learned that, and you say, well, duh, that's, this is obvious. But if you have been raised in a family that has been impoverished for generations, you, you have no hope. You think that this is who I am. This is who I'll always be. This is what my grandmama was. Um, and uh, you just sort of consign yourself, uh, resign to that, that type of uh, hopeless lifestyle. Gail and I had some personal experience in that. We sought to help a, a person whom we, we knew and um, Lynn ended either substandard housing or at best public housing, which was not substandard, but, but certainly not home ownership. And um, said, you know, we can, you know, help her get a habitat for humanity in the house. Uh, we would do it and we talked with her about it. And long story short, um, that never happened, even though we were willing to invest some of our resources in it. And it happened because she just didn't feel like they could do it. You know, that's just not, she couldn't see herself uh, and her family, her husband and children, at a play, any other place of where they were. There was no hope. And we talk about addressing something like poverty uh, when you're dealing with some people who uh, that's all they've ever known, it's all they can ever aspire to be. Oh, boy. Uh, it's a, a tough, tough, tough thing. Well, and Pat. I, you know, what's, Pat, I'll tell you something. Uh, we could go on. You, you just This is really a message of hope. The whole 30 minutes is, and I know the people that are listening to it will appreciate that and appreciate you. Uh, we hope that you just continue to do what you're doing, that uh, you're, serving, you're serving your fellow man, your fellow woman, as they say. You're, yeah. you're involved in life. You're engaged, and we appreciate you very much for that. Uh, well, thank you. I've enjoyed being with you. Thank and, you. And the message of hope comes from above, doesn't it? It does. Uh, That's the source. Um, I don't know how in the world, particularly in a, a world that we seem to find ourselves in these days, that how you can survive without uh, without uh, without the faith. I, I feel and I couldn't. Um, it's important to know what you're hoping in, isn't it? Well, thank you again so much, Pat Allen, uh, a community person here in Athens that's done a lot for a lot of people and influenced a lot of people and been influenced, as he says. So, Pat, you have a great year, and uh, we uh, appreciate, appreciate it very much of you being on the podcast with us. Thank you, Dan. Enjoyed it. Subscribe to our social media and share your stories on the HopeWithDanny.com website. Remember, it's all about hope. I'm your host, Danny Daniel. This episode was recorded at Vega Studios.